You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. And you can even call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. We're going to talk about Poku getting recalled. We're going to talk about the, the week ahead in the NBA, if we're going to see trades this week and what it all means for the Thunder. We're going to recap the All-Star game and hand out mid-season awards and see how they're different from the preseason. Let's start with Alexei Pukashevsky getting recalled from the Oklahoma City Blue. He got recalled on Friday, right before the Blues' final game. The Blue have been eliminated, so this move, to me, didn't mean anything. Like I saw a lot of people underneath the, the press release I tweeted out about you know, asking, you know, is, is this going to be a trade scenario? Why they do this? You know, Trades are coming. What's going on? Feels like nothing. Like, like if trades happen, I don't think it's because that they recall Poku because the blue season, even if they made the playoffs, would be over prior to the all-star break being over unless they went to the championship. And so you wouldn't really need to recall Poku during the bubble season, but they did anyway, and he missed their last game, and they lost their last game, and thus they didn't make the playoffs. I think that this is not going to signal anything. I think that maybe the only thing you can look into this is saying that maybe, you know, they'll have practices prior to Thursday. And so you'd rather have Poku practicing with the NBA team rather than, you know, rather than staying in the bubble a little bit too long or, or staying in the bubble for an extra game. So if the difference in Poku practicing with the NBA team versus not practicing is calling him up and missing one game, You'd gladly have missed that one game if it means he gets to practice on Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever this team decides to practice again from the All-Star break. I don't think it means anything for roster construction in terms of trades. We can talk about quickly if trades are going to happen uh, soon. But first, just with Poku, he ends his G League season with seven points, seven rebounds, four assists, and one block per game. He looked good at times. He looked comfortable. Got a slow start in the G League, but other than that, he was he was really good. I still think that the expectation level should be nothing for Poku right now. I don't think that you should cast judgment on what he does in the second half. I, I don't think that you should kind of put a, a ceiling or a floor on Poku yet. I, I think that just let him play minutes and whatever happens, happens. I think that he's so he's such a raw player that we're not going to learn anything about Poku in the second half. I mean, maybe he can show some flashes here and there, but anything bad, which is where the Thunder are in a good spot with this. And Thunder fans are too. Anything bad with Poku can be explained away by all these other factors, right? He's he's 18, 19 years old. He's getting adjusted to America. He is, you know, still a young player, you know, 
beyond just his age, a young basketball player that hasn't played the level of competition even remotely close to the NBA or even remotely close to the G League. You know, we have so many reasons why he might perform poorly. So then that doesn't really matter. The, the, the poor play will not be judged for at least two or three years, in my opinion. And then anything good he does, then you're allowed to be really excited about it. So it's kind of a, a win-win for the Thunder and uh, Thunder fans about Poku. But on the on the basis of if this trade will, will happen now that Poku's recalled, uh, again, he would have been back before uh, anything got too crazy in the, in the second half. So I'm not sure how that would affect a trade. Uh, but I do think that regardless of if Poku got recalled or not, you could have seen you, you could see trades this week. And and there's two schools of thoughts here. The first one is, well, if you do trades right now, then you can have that player go to the new market, you know, do the whole protocols, whatever the quarantine will look like for getting traded, get settled in real quick, and then you have him for the bulk, if not all, of the second half. But the other school of thought is that if there's only so many sellers, right, if, if the Thunder are among two to three teams who do not want to improve their team at the deadline, then why wouldn't the Thunder just wait and wait it out, wait it out, wait it out until the final hour of that March 25th deadline and squeeze every bit of value and every bit of just assets out of any sort of trade that they're going to make? I can see it going both ways. Neither way would surprise me. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say that we won't see a trade this week and we'll see one you know, later on at the deadline, like right, pretty much at March 25th. But if we did see a trade this week, it would not surprise me whatsoever. And the rumors are ramping up. You're seeing you know, Larry Nance Jr. involved in some. You're seeing Zach Levine and Victor Oladipo. And you saw Blake Griffin got bought out. The rumors are ramping up. But for me, I, I'm not sure if a trade will actually go through this week or not. But again, you give these GMs a ton of downtime and you give these GMs, you know, this holding pattern and they start, you know, analyzing things and, and, and kind of overanalyzing things right now and they make a move here or there. So nothing would surprise me, but the fact of Poku getting recalled does not change anything for me about what will happen moving forward. Now, the rumors around the NBA, we mentioned Blake Griffin briefly. He got bought out by the, by the uh, Pistons and then he signed with the Nets. So Blake Griffin is part of the Nets now. For the Thunder, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I guess it would have mattered if he signed with the Warriors, and we'll get to the Warriors pretty soon because you know, if Blake Griffin can have any more talent or have any sort of impact on a winning team, which I think that he still can at his age, I still think that he can contribute because now he's not number one, two, three. You know, he's not even probably number four. He's just kind of there and kind of trying to contribute, and that will elevate him some. So I think that you know he could have been valuable for the Warriors, and he goes with the Nets anyway. I think that with the Warriors eyeing Victor Oladipo, it's a great thing for the Thunder. The more the Warriors want to compete this year, and the more the Warriors want to say, you know what, I know Klay Thompson's hurt, but we only have so much time with Draymond and with Steph Curry. We have to maximize every single year, no matter if Klay is here or not, because we're running out of time. The windows are never as open as you think that they are in sports. And I know that Curry looks like he's going to do this forever, he was incredible in the All-Star game. He's going to be incredible for 20 more years probably. But you still want to maximize each and every year and not take a year for granted and not punt on a year because it can end quickly. So the fact that they want to add, even while Klay Thompson's hurt, is a huge deal for the Thunder because remember, if the Warriors pick, if they're good enough to get you know 21 through 30, the Thunder get that pick. 
So if they can keep improving their team and their pick can continue to fall and it can go to 21, then the Thunder will have an additional first-round pick this year in a class that's absolutely loaded. Right now they sit 14th. There was a time in which they sat closer to 20, but they lost three straight, and the Mavericks won three straight. I'm not sure if Victor Oladipo will do a whole lot for them. You know, I, I'm not sure what the answer is, but just by the very nature of them trying to do more things, of them trying to accomplish more and, and add to their team, is a great sign for the Thunder who really could benefit from that pick. The flip side of that coin is that you know while we do root for the Warriors to win and get that pick, if the pick doesn't convey and the Warriors end up you know twenty or or better in the in the draft, well then you still get Minnesota's second round pick, which is going to be the thirty first pick, and it's going to be you know pretty much a, a first round pick whenever all things are said and done. But what are your predictions for this week ahead? Are we going to see trades before the start of the game is getting picked back up? I think it can go either way, but I, if I had to guess, I'd say that we will not see trades just yet. We'll see a lot of these flurry of action happen like March 23rd, 24th, 25th, all around that actual deadline date. And I think it's a gamble either way because you can gamble both directions, right? What if the Wizards go on a five-game winning streak right out the gate and then all of a sudden they flip-flop and they're firmly in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference and, and they're looking good and they believe in Russ and Bradley Beal and then they become an additional buyer at the deadline? Atlanta can get hot and go on a run with their new head coach. Indiana can go on a run. Chicago with Billy Donovan can go on a run in the second half. And, and the Memphis Grizzlies are still kind of hanging around there. I think that Memphis will kind of be nothing. Like, I don't think that they're going to buy or sell. So even if they perform extremely well, I don't think they're going to add anything. So that kind of changes things. But there's still some teams in each direction. Uh, Charlotte has been a team that's been in the rumor mill, and maybe they will get firmly in there if they can win a few games out of the gate here. Toronto is kind of bordering on, oh, should they trade Kyle Lowry? Should they add a piece? Should they sell, buy, whatever? They're another team that will be heavily impacted by what happens these first few weeks. And so I think that that will really cause pause for everyone around the league if you're buying or selling to kind of wait it out and see where we all level off at as we get closer and closer to the actual trade deadline. But coming up, I want to talk about the All-Star Game and All-Star Weekend and talk about the mid-season awards for the NBA. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bet, and it's free to sign up. So head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today for a free account. And when you do, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit whenever you use our promo code Locked On. So betonline.ag and promo code Locked On gets you that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. We are back on Locked on Thunder on the Locked on Podcast Network, your teams every day. I want to tell you about our good friends over at Locked on Today. Today on the Locked on Today podcast, Selection Sunday's a week away, and there will be a number of ACC teams left out of the tournament. What went wrong in the ACC this year? Get more of the sport news you need in less time with the new Locked on Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcasts from. I think that with the All-Star game and the All-Star day, because that's what that's what we really did, we just crammed an entire All-Star festivities into one singular day. It starts with before the All-Star game and before the festivities, 
number one, you had Mike Conley replacing Devin Booker. And I understand that in the, in the scope of just this year alone, SGA has been miles ahead of Mike Conley. Like SGA has been embarrassingly better than Mike Conley in terms of should he have been an all-star. But as we've seen, the all-star voting and the all-star selection process is not based on the year it should be based on. It's based on you know the year that you're having this year, but also what you've done to this point in your career. And Mike Conley got in because he was the best player to never make an all-star game. And now he's made an all-star game. And in four or five years, most of you will not remember when you go to basketball reference and you see that he was a one-time all-star, you won't remember that he was a second replacement because remember Devin Booker replaced AD. So he was a second replacement for Mike Conley. You'll just remember that he was an all-star. I think that with this, there's also a ton of factors about this being a COVID year and maybe Shea rejected the invitation. Who knows? I don't think that Shea would reject the invitation. I think he would have gone if he was invited, but still that's a possibility. Nonetheless, I think that Shea will have so many more opportunities to be an all-star in his career. I'd say right now he'd at least make four all-star games in his career, you know, four or five all-star games in his career, at least. So Mike Conley getting this one for his well-deserved career that he should have been an all-star much sooner than this, and he's just now in. It doesn't bother me that much, but I do understand why in the vacuum of this season alone that that creates a lot of buzz for Thunder fans because it, it does lend itself to, look, SJ's been a much better player this year. I get all that, but again, Mike Conley deserves it. I'm not going to take anything away from Mike Conley. Good for him. SJ will have his due next year and, and for a lot of years after that. Uh, in this game, you had even more pregame drama whenever it was announced Sunday morning that Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid were caught up in contact, contact tracing with their personal barber. Now, I think that this set off All-Star Day on the wrong foot because you had that that section of NBA Twitter and NBA fans and media who didn't like this idea to do a All-Star game and didn't like the whole process of taking away or, or adding more risk in, in this COVID season to these players. And then you have two guys who are in the All-Star game both get caught in contact tracing. To me... The, the entire Raptors team is in contact tracing right now. And we still forced the Raptors to play on a back-to-back with it with only eight players for two straight nights. So the contact tracing portion of this, it wasn't from the All-Star Day. It wasn't from anything involving the All-Star. And, and as of now, there's no players who were contact traced or who got COVID during the All-Star Day. It generated a lot of money for charities and for uh, HBCUs, and also, of course, for the NBA and its TV partners and its players. I'm not going to act like it was a failure because Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons got contact traced by a barber. That's going to happen. It happened in the NFL right before the Super Bowl, and nobody thought about canceling the Super Bowl because, of course, they just kind of went on and played it anyway. Uh, I do wonder what this means for Thursday. The uh, 76ers are back in action against Chicago. I wonder if they're going to be able to play against the Bulls or if they're still going to be out via contact tracing. For the all-star events themselves, it starts out with the skills competition, and Luka just didn't even show up. Like, he was there, he kind of walked up and down the floor a little bit, but it was as if he just didn't show up to the event at all. He was smoked 
in this event. He didn't even take off his warmups. He was smoked. It was embarrassing watching Luca. And he said that he didn't warm up and the pressure got to him and all that stuff. But it was embarrassing watching Luca go through the skills competition. Chris Paul did give it his best shot, which I thought he would. I picked him to win, but this competition is just so dominated by big men this year. And really for the past few years, that Sabonis was just cash money in this event. And Thunder Legend Sabonis won this event. Of course, Steph Curry won the three-point contest, and he put on an absolute show. I think that the three-point contest is the new dunk contest. Like I think that it's the, it's the it's the new must-see event. If you can only huddle around the television for one event uh, for for the All-Star Weekend, it's gonna be the three-point contest from now on. It's what the the kids seem to like. It's what I like. It's what everyone likes to to watch these shooters put on a show. And I love the addition of that of that deep shot. You know, with the glow in the dark ball way back there in the Mountain Dew thing. I love that addition. I think it's a fun competition, and it's just the pressure will start mounting with every shot. You know exactly the scoring system. You know exactly how much you need to beat the next guy. You know exactly what you have to accomplish on each and every rack and things like that. I love it, and I think that the three-point contest is is really what will start to have these fond memories of. Right? It will no longer be Dwight Howard coming out of a phone booth. It will no longer be Dwight Howard blowing out a candle on the rim. It will no longer be those kind of dunks and Blake Griffin jumping over a car. It'll be Steph Curry, you know, sending Mike Conley home or without a trophy on the last shot of the three-point contest. For that dunk contest, Obi Toppin was absolutely robbed. His first dunk was a 10 out of 10 across the board, and he was robbed. He should have won this event. You had Anthony Simons, who we were like two for three on the uh, inside the NBA guys calling him Simmons, but Anthony Simons... He was good. He was more impressive than I thought he'd be. I thought that Anthony Simons would not even be close in this competition. I thought it would be Toppin Stanley all the way. Simons did show me more than I thought he could. The kiss the rim dunk, I'm not sure how hygienic that is in a pandemic. So I'm glad he didn't actually kiss it. I did like the creativity of the first dunk where he puts the little nerf hoop on the very top of the square and then grabs the ball off of it and dunks it. I was surprised that that little adhesive thing could stick to the backboard and hold a, a regulation NBA ball on it. That kind of tricked my mind a little bit as I was sitting there watching it. Stanley had a really good first dunk, and it was just so disappointing in attempt number two that he left in the first round. But the storylines were, again, all about the three-point competition. And I think that with the All-Star game itself, Team LeBron is just always so stacked. It's just unfair. I mean, you take out Joel Embiid and you take out Ben Simmons from this contest, and it still was really, of course, good and competitive. And I do think that the Elam ending, more often than not, will create watchable all-star games and, and create anticipation, and it will create kind of this buzz to where this will become the, the one all-star game that really matters and really is fun to watch across all sports. It is funny seeing the headline like Dame Lillard hit a half-court shot as a game winner even though they won with like 20 points, but he did hit the target score on a, on a half-court shot. And I think that unlike most sports, the NBA has a rare ability to remind you of how good these players are while they're playing the game. Like, we all know that Dame can shoot. We all know that Dame is amazing. We all know that Steph Curry's amazing and Luka's amazing. But watching them all on the same floor just kind of go at each other and knock down these shots, like, okay, Curry knocked this one down. Now Luka's going to take his turn to do it. Okay, and on the other end, we're going to have two other guys do it for the Team LeBron. 
the NBA in the game of basketball allows for these guys to show off their talent more than just a typical baseball game or a typical football game with less tackling in the NFL Pro Bowl. You know, the NBA has a unique lane here to where you can truly be awed by players who you know are great. Like, you know Giannis is great. He wins the MVP. He was amazing in this game. It's the only sport that their all-star game can truly show off just how great every player is. But I do want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Built Bar. We've been talking to you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is an amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all protein bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. This is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is peanut butter brownie and raspberry going head to head. And right here, I have to give the advantage to peanut butter brownie and allow them to advance. Built Bar March Madness is here. Go to builtbar.com or go to at built underscore bar on Twitter to vote. Listen, in this campaign here, for all of you locked on Thunder listeners, I am I am begging you to go over and vote in these matchups. And I want us to band together here and come together as one. Stuff the ballot boxes on the matchup days that involve cookies and cream, and let's take cookies and cream to the moon. Let's get them a championship. That's the very best built bar. You know it. I know it. We're going to vote for that. But today, the matchup is the peanut butter brownie and raspberry. I'm taking peanut butter brownie in that affair. And then the other matchup is apple, apple almond crisp and churro puff. I got to go apple almond crisp in that one as well. So again, go vote at BuiltBar.com or at Bill underscore bar on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That is LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who's won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar at BuiltBar.com. Again, promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off your next order. We're back on Locked on Thunder, and I want to tell you about our good friends over at Locked on NBA Draft. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, how much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more about them, you need to subscribe to the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. The Locked on NBA Draft podcast will provide prospect scouting reports, draft re- rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts subscribe today and follow locked on NBA draft wherever you get your podcasts from. And I want to do the mid season awards real quick here. Just give you who I have winning them at this current time. And you can do the same for me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. It's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L A S. My MVP is Joel Embiid. You watch what he did against Utah and you really see the kind of season he's had. If he can stay healthy the rest of the way, he's my MVP without question. My defensive player of the year, easy choice here, Rudy Gobert. I mean, he's kind of, he's probably going to win it. He kind of deserves a little bit. He's kind of just the easy kind of chalk choice. Rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball has been incredible. LaMelo Ball has been better than I thought he could be. He's been better than a lot of people thought he could be. LaMelo Ball is awesome. He's electric. He's someone that is going to give 
you reasons to watch the Hornets. I mean, when have you ever had a reason to watch the Hornets? And he makes Charlotte a fun little team. I think Charlotte can legitimately make the playoffs this year. I think that if they have a good second half, they can at least make the play-in, which would be a great first step for the Charlotte Hornets. My sixth man of the year is Jordan Clarkson, and then the MIP, I think, will be the most fun award to debate. I think the MVP will get dwindled down to Joel Embiid, Jokic, and LeBron. And from there, it kind of goes to LeBron versus Embiid. And then from there, I, I still have Embiid, but some will have LeBron. But we've kind of already heard all the LeBron defenders. Like, we know the side that you'll fall on if you fall on LeBron's side. I think that with the MIP, there's so many avenues you can go with this. And for me, I've got Julius Randle because he's not a second-year player. He's not a third-year player. Like, this is somebody who truly has reinvented himself a little bit this year with a new coach and a new system, and he's been vastly improved. He's an all-star kind of guy now all of a sudden. I like Julius Randle here, but I, I think that you can't go wrong if you want to go with Jeremy Grant or Christian Wood or SGA. Funny note about the MIP, if you go to our good partners over at BetOnline.ag, you can go there right now, go to NBA Future Award Bets for the players, scroll down to MIP, and Lou Dort is getting MIP odds over at BetOnline.ag. So it, it is really cool to see him getting a little bit of recognition from the odd makers. BetOnline.ag has him at plus 8,000. And so that is the same odds as, Don, as De'Aaron Fox and the same odds as Tyler Hero. Obviously, he will not win the award, but it's cool to see him kind of at least in the conversation a little bit. And then my coach of the year, it's kind of boring. It's going to be either Doc Rivers or Steve Nash right now. I think that Mark Daynott's been an incredible coach. Obviously, I've, I've called him the best coach in Thunder history, but you're not going to win coach of the year with this kind of record and this kind of team. I think that with Doc Rivers, he's got Philadelphia playing at a high level right now. And then with Steve Nash, it's just been a simple fact of it seems like it's all working, you know, surface level and in the locker room. Like, even whenever you bring in James Harden, him and Kyrie have a conversation about who's the point guard, and it's kind of squashed, and there's no drama, and they just kind of play their game together. And he's been able to allow that locker room to continue to mesh, and that's something that we all thought would not be be possible. We, we all, whenever that, that hire was made, questioned if Steve Nash could be that voice and be that leader that can you know, kind of mold that locker room together. And he's done that so far. So I like Doc. I like Steve Nash. Of course, Quinn Snyder's in there as well and some other guys. But I think that those two are my front runners right now. Let me know your award winners on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Tomorrow, we're going to recap the first half of the Thunder and preview the second half of the Thunder season all on tomorrow's show. Subscribe to Locked on Thunder anywhere you get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder.